Hey everybody, Craig here. Welcome to episode 25 of Think Relevance, the podcast featuring Alex War. Alex is our sales guy and we had a good conversation. Before we jump into that, I want to mention a few things that are coming up. Uh, first thing in the near future, at least when I'm recording this, is uh, you will find Stu Halloway in Atlanta at DevNexus in February 2013. Uh, he will be talking about Simulant, which is a new simulation testing framework that he will be releasing there at DevNexus. So if you happen to be in Atlanta, if you're going to uh, DevNexus, uh, make sure to check out that talk. Uh, following that, in March of 2013, there is Closure West, and we've got all sorts of good stuff going on at Closure West, starting with the Closure Script training right before the conference. That's being given by uh, Stu, uh, Stuart Sierra and Luke Vanderhart, who are authors of the book Closure Script Up and Running. Uh, I think this is going to be a year where uh, Closure Script is going to really take off. So uh, if you're thinking about checking out the class, I think it would be good timing, especially if you're going to be at Closure West. Um, follow, and then, of course, Closure West itself, uh, we've got an announcement. Uh, you might have seen a little bit about that on the program. We're going to be talking about Pedestal, a for now secret project that we're working super hard on right now and that we're all pretty excited about. So uh, if you haven't signed up for Closure West yet, um, you know, you might want to do that. Come check us out. Uh, hope to see you there. Uh, then in May, we are going to be doing some closure training uh, down under in Australia at Lambda Jam. And you can check out more details about that at uh, lambdajam.com. So lots of good stuff going on. Uh, Relevant is getting out there in the world. And I uh, hope we'll see you at one of those events. Uh, I think that's it for now. So we'll go to the episode. Thanks for listening. So, welcome everybody to Think Relevance. The podcast today is Friday, January 11th in the year 2013. And today we have with us uh, someone I've wanted to have on the show for quite a while, Relevance's Alex War. Welcome to the show, Alex. Thank you very much, Craig. Uh, we're super excited to have you here. Uh, but before we jump in and start talking to you, I have to ask you uh, what music that we should play uh, for the intro here. Yeah, so um, so I'm I'm gonna choose the uh, the quintessential uh, Bee Gees song from 1977, "Staying Alive." Ah, uh, yes, very good. I did learn the bass line for that for a little while. It's a kind of fun song. Fantastic. Um, yeah, I uh, so I don't know if this is uh, something interesting for folks, but uh, pretty well known. Uh, I don't know anything about music at all, but I like to pretend that I know something about everything. So whenever we're out and about and somebody says, hey, this is a good song, I say, I know I love the Bee Gees, regardless of whether or not it is actually the Bee Gees. I'm lo really looking forward to uh, maneuvering the conversation the next time that you and Rich Hickey are in the same place so that a Foo Fighters song comes on, and then, mm -hmm. you, and then you can say that. I really I want to make that happen. It's going to be classic. Yeah. I'm sure we can find a way to do that. That'll be fun. So uh, I, I often start when I'm talking to relevance people with asking them, and I think in your case, this is going to be a particularly interesting answer. Um, what's your job? Uh, that is a very, a very interesting answer. Uh, so uh, business development lead 
is the sort of title that is that is out there when I'm talking to people outside the company. But I've uh, you know I've variously been lunch orderer and deliverer, uh, office manager, cleaner, mail guy, operations and sales assistant, and uh, laundry getter for Justin over the past three years. Yeah, you you've really had an interesting trajectory. Now now the way that you put it, um, you know, you, you sound a bit, little bit like a jack of all trades, but but um but these days and for quite some time now, and I and I want to get into the kind of the trajectory you've taken these days. Um, you know, the way I think of you is is as our sales guy, and and it's really it, it, it's like really important. I mean, we're a small company, and you know the reason I get paid is because you're out there forming relationships with our clients. It's super. I, I really appreciate what you do, and I, and I think you do a really good job of it. So I don't. I. I, well, I just. Yeah. I just wanted to catch you because you know, I, I know you, you like to joke around. You're a funny guy, but um, you know, what you do really play a super important role in the company. Well, I like to. I like to think about it as my role is um, uh, not uh, making people hate us before I have a chance to really get them to talk to somebody who's awesome like you or Justin or Stu or somebody like that. Um, so to, to essentially present a, a warm and knowledgeable front um, that is very helpful to them, um, that does not come off like um, trying to get them in a car today <laughs> right? or selling snake oil. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, uh, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's just, it's, it's interesting because yeah, absolutely. Every, every team, uh, like ours needs to have somebody wearing the sales hat. Um, one thing that I really like about the role that I'm playing and, and have been playing is that I get, I, I get to do that in a way that feels like I'm actually, um, contributing to a community that is fantastic um, and not doing it in such a way that I I have a series of you know uh, under the table conversations or you know back room over cigar conversations and then just lob over um, just a whole batch of promises uh, to you know over the wall to the delivery team. Uh, I actually one of the things I love the most about about relevance is that everybody is really interested um, in. Uh, talking to clients, getting getting a good idea about what a project looks like. So you know, I I kind of help manage that, but we you know we get folks roped in really super early, like maybe the first first or or second conversation um, when there there's an actual project on the table. Um, so it's way more collaborative. Even though I am the only one you know ostensibly wearing the sales hat, you know it's something that everybody everybody does. I mean we're all you know evangelists for uh for the for the team which is really cool yeah i've definitely uh, been roped in on a, on a call or two and i i personally really like the opportunity to do that because especially for things that uh if i you know if we can know and, and staffing is a hard problem at a at a small consultancy but if we can know early on that i'm going to be on a project it's great for me to get in and get that that context right well just it, it cuts down on the on the because trust is so important um, in what we do, right? Um, building trust early, uh, making sure that we're giving upfront and honest opinions about our ability to do um, a project, our ability to help out, um, or whether or not the the particular tech stack we may or may not choose to bring to bear is absolutely the right choice for the client. And you can only have those kinds of conversations um, when you get a developer context and architect context very early, and everybody agrees that um, it is okay 
at the third or fourth phone call to say to, you know, say to a potential customer, um, we respect you. Your best decision is to go with this other thing. So now, is that a challenge? Because that, I mean, there can be a number of reasons for telling someone to, 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 you know, choose another option, something that we can't provide. Um, a lot of them are technical, and I think a lot of our listeners are, listeners are technical. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, although um, I know I, I've seen you do some things that that show you know your way around a computer. I don't think you would consider yourself. Um, technical in the same sense that that the devs at relevance are technical oh yeah absolutely i mean in in no stretch of the imagination would i be able to uh, sit down and and hang with uh you know you or brenton or Stuart sierra um just you know writing out writing out code and, and thinking through complex technical problems but i definitely have been um keeping my ears open and 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 participating in conversations about things in the closure community, things in the Ruby community, and have gone through enough of these conversations to know generally the kinds of things that are and are not important um, for a, a business decision maker, you know, who we might be working with, who might also not have any idea the difference between, you know, choosing Datomic as an underlying database versus, you know, MySQL or or needing to go with, uh, you know, a more enterprise friendly option like, you know, something Oracle because they've got a, you know, a black a blacklist or 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 a, a blessed technology list that they have to go through. Um, but what it means is that, you know, when 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 I sit down and take charge of a conversation like that, um, I am I'm vetting early and and upfront that uh, unless I've got you, Craig, with me on that call, um, I'm going to help them think through uh, some of the related business decisions. Gotcha. Is that is that ever a challenge? I mean, is that it's ever... a it, it it's a big challenge, especially with um you know there there are definitely times when I jump on a call and it's very clear in the first you know in the first ten fifteen minutes that um you know, the, the client stakeholder I'm talking to is have heavily technical, you know, v- sharp, savvy, both in the business sense and in the technical sense. And in, in those situations, um, it is a little bit of a challenge for me um, to, uh, you know, let them know that this, this call is not going to be about, about uh, a deep dive into the tech, technical details. Because the, the temptation that you have to fight a fight against is you want to appear knowledgeable, right? You know, if you, if you sit down with somebody, you, you know, it, you, it's hard to say, Hey, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, but the worst thing that you can do is, um, you know, insult somebody's intelligence and, and waste their time by trying to pretend that you know more than you do about a certain, uh, certain subject area. So I try and steer it toward those subjects that I can provide a lot of value on. And those, you know, those are things like, um, what are some logistical obstacles uh, we'd we'd have to overcome? You know, uh, things like, do you have an existing uh, development staff internally? If so, what you know, how do those uh, developers feel about the the you know the the new system you're thinking about building? Um, uh, what is the existing tech stack? Uh, are there ex- are, you know are there any political landmines or issues? That you as a stakeholder have to navigate internally at your, you know, at your company. Uh, oftentimes, if you 
get a small to mid-sized business, especially if you get a, you know, one of these Fortune 50 or Fortune 5 companies, um, that's, you know, those kinds of issues are almost always significantly more um, important than the technical decision um, for the purposes of deciding whether or not we're going to be able to work together. Gotcha. So what's the... I mean, maybe there isn't one, but what's the what's the sort of typical process for for you? I mean, you know, do people tend to email you out of the blue, or you're working with people you know? And and what's you know, you mentioned like first call, second call, third call. Those those sort of sound like they have a maybe have a particular meaning to you. Can you kind of walk us through how that goes? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, one of the very interesting things, and it's a privilege working at Relevance, is that we you know have done a lot to be visible in the Ruby and Clojure communities. Um, uh, we spend 20% of every week um, engaged and, and uh, contributing to the open source community. We speak at conferences. Um, so we actually do a lot of things that have enabled us to build a, a, a fairly robust passive marketing strategy, which means that you know people who call or email us have more or less decided that they do have, uh, you know, a, a problem or, or, or they do have a new, uh, you know, market that they want to break into. And they've already made the decision to invest in technology. And now they've uh, gone and done their research and tried to find potential partners um, who they'd be interested in working with. So when we get a call um, or an email, it's almost always from somebody who has sought us out. Um, and that's, you know, that's, I think, very different than a lot of, especially product companies that, that spend a lot of their sales and marketing time um, cold calling, warm calling, prospecting. Um, it's nice because it means that we can jump immediately into uh, getting into the meat of the project or the business problem um, and, and really start thinking through and, and almost consulting right from that first phone call. Sure. So then, so, so, okay, that's interesting. I, I actually did not know that. I mean, uh, although I do get involved, as you say, occasionally in the, in the sales conversations, I don't, I, I'm lucky in that I don't have to spend a ton of time thinking about sales. And it sounds like, uh, it's not, that's interesting to know that generally speaking, a reputation is what pulls people to us. Or, or referrals from, from past clients. I mean, one of the things that we try very hard to do, and it's, great to see it happen um, is to you know maintain relationships with people we've worked with um, so that you know we're not just a fire and forget solution we're somebody that people remember working with and you know had such a good time that they would you know they would evangelize for us in their own networks um, and at least over the cor course of the last two years or so I I would say anywhere from 60 to 70% of our leads are either from referrals or from re return customers. And mm. that's really cool. That's cool. So someone comes to us and they, is, is their first stop a call to you or a, where does it kind of go from there? Yeah. The, uh, you know, the first, the first step is almost always, um, generally reaching out to, you know, info at think relevance or, uh, or calling our number, or they know somebody or saw somebody speak at a conference, and they'll email them. And um, you know, I'll pick up I'll pick up the emails. 
I'll I'll pick up the the general calls and you know somebody like uh, you know Chris Redinger for example will send me an email saying hey I kn- I know this guy he's you know he's he's a really nice guy he's got a good idea you know you should reach out to him and really that first call is very much a um, about breaking the ice in the first five ten minutes and then just listening I spend almost the entire call just listening to to who they are what they want to do and um, you know maybe providing them some early helpful feedback if uh, you know it sounds like for example they're not necessarily going to be the best uh, fit for us because they have some outstanding uh, technology requirement that we're just it's not quite in our wheelhouse um, in that situation I like to I like to uh, vet that as early as I can. And so that first call is really about getting to know somebody and, and trying to absorb as much as I can about, about their problem space. Um, the second call is almost always a tech review, right? It, it, it's almost always the, the time where I can rope in, you know, one of our coaches or, you know, one of our architects or designers, um, and really start digging into their problem and giving them some good feedback and some good idea generation. Um, and that means that, you know, from call number two, we're actually kind of doing consulting um, for for clients. like we're we're actually we're actually helping people from the second call. And that's important to me because uh, they're you know they're the ones that have done the research. they've found us, and I, I you know I want to make sure that we respect that and build trust. Okay. So then you've, you know, we've done a tech review. You, you've got, you set up, got broken the ice, as you said, done a tech review. Where does it tend to go from there? Yeah, it's, it's definitely, uh, it, it's so interesting because from the tech review, you then get to the point where, okay, I know these guys. Um, they, I, I get the feeling that they know what they're talking about, but I am somebody who at the end of the day needs to know how long is it going to take and how much is it going to cost me? Um, so, you know, typically at that point, it's, uh, you know, in a traditional sales cycle, it, it, it'd be putting an estimate together. It would be building out a, a very complex proposal. Um, God forbid you're in an RFP situation and somebody's just sent you a, you know, a 20-page RFP and, and ask you to respond to it. Um, at that point, uh, a lot of things can happen. Um, you can... Uh, you know, clock out time during the week, you know, maybe two days uh, to scramble a team and work through their problem and, and try and estimate what you think the solution would look like and how long it would take. And then, you know, try and give them a confidence interval on overall time and budget. Um, or, you know, you can, you can determine that uh, they are you know, they're a client who has maybe not um, worked in technology as much. And so being able to compare and contrast, you know, a proposal from us versus a proposal from two other firms that, you know, we've, we've never met, we don't know what they're thinking about. Um, that can be a little touch and go. And maybe they don't, maybe that's not the best way for them to think through it. And maybe instead um, they would benefit from, uh, doing an iteration zero with us, right? Like, uh, you know, don't go through the estimation exercise. Um, just come in and work with us for a week 
And at the end of that week, you know, one of the explicit re- uh, outcomes is going to be a, um, a, a release plan and, a, you know, an actual story card breakout, an estimate for at least a duration one and two. And at that point, they can make a call on whether or not they want to continue working with us. And that plan makes sense based on more than just, you know, an hour or two of guarded conversation because you don't know, you know, who else are they talking to? Uh, are they going to just use our quote to turn around and, and, and uh, lowball somebody else, vice versa? Stu Halloway actually wrote a really good blog post, which, which I thought was, um, was really well written about the value of contingent I zero as a trust building exercise. Um, so after that tech review call, you really get into this, this period where it's more art than science. You have to understand what is going to meet the needs of the client more. Um, is it going to be an, an offer to work together or are they in a situation where they really need a fairly detailed, you know, proposal in order to, um, get buy-in from the rest of their, uh, their company? So I want to come back to that uh, contingent I zero. We'll, we'll certainly link to the blog post that uh, Stu wrote in the show notes. But um, I heard you say, you know, people can come work with us for iteration zero, which is a, a week, and then at the end of that, they, you know, they can decide whether or not they want to continue. That's actually part of the agreement. Like it's it's not, well, you sign a contract, we do a week, and then you uh you can decide. Oh, I think I'm going to go through the motions of of you know, terminating this relationship. I believe it's actually explicit that at the end of that week, you know, you can walk away and that's part of the part of the way it's set up. Is that is that is that the case? That's absolutely the case. You know, in fact, and it's we have seen that week be so constructive and so good for building a relationship with someone um, that we're going to offer that on a contingent fee basis. So not only is it explicitly set up that you can get to the end of that week and uh, decide not to go forward, you could you are explicitly able to get to that end of the week, and see the results of working together before you decide to pay for that week, right? It's a very low risk way to sort of lower the barrier of entry for a client um, getting into what is you know potentially for a lot of these folks the first or second time that they've ever done a software development project um, with a with a firm like ours. And have you, like, what's the reaction been when you've started talking about that with people? You know, it, when we, you know, when we originally talked about writing the blog post and putting it out there, there was, there was how we meant that message. And then there was the fear of how some people might interpret it. And you know, the, the, the fear of how some people might interpret it was, wow, you know, uh, this is like, uh, take a free ride in the car because, you know, you know that you'll, you'll trap me. Like this is, you know, kind of under the table kind of stuff. Um, but the way that we meant it is, Hey, we're, we're really confident that when you work with us, you're going to see value. Um, and we're so confident that we're going to put our money where our mouth is. And it's, been really nice to see um, clients almost universally uh, feel the latter, right? Uh, understand that this is a sign of this is a sign of a of a team who really um, has its shit together and and is is willing to help me through a very difficult decision process um, 
and it's it's been great. I mean, the response has been very very positive. That's cool. I mean, I, I read the blog post, but like I say, <laughs> you know, you're really good at, at shielding me from having to worry about sales, except to the extent that it, it that I can help out with the technical aspects. So I'm I'm glad to hear that that feedback. Um, that's cool. I want to talk more about sales too, but um, I kind of want to loop back a little bit because you know we sort of uh, vaguely alluded to the fact that your personal career trajectory at Relevance has been interesting. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, you know, you mentioned things like uh, buying lunch. How did you like? How did you come on to Relevance, and and how did you wind up where you are now? What what did that look like? So I um, my very first exposure to Relevance was actually through a, a very very lovely, warm woman, uh, Joey Halloway, uh, Stu Halloway's wife. I um way back in the end of 2009, I just come back from. London, England, where I was, I was a paralegal at a at a law firm there, um, and it had it was a it was a uh, one year uh, program, and at the end of it, I I came back to Durham because I I love the area, um, and I was fully intending to apply to law school and go to law school, and of course, in in the meantime, it was November, and it was going to be at least you know four or five months before um, before I even, you know, got to the, to the point where I'm prepping for law school. So I need to make a little scratch. Uh, so I, I looked in the newspapers and I saw this really witty, you know, funny, uh, ad that Joey had placed in the, you know, in the paper, essentially asking for somebody to help her, uh, not freak out and go insane because she has, you know, three kids to deal with and she was pregnant at the time. So she needed essentially a babysitter slash personal assistant, but she was a really sweet person. And so I said to myself, am I too big to go do this? And the answer was nope. So I met Joey and I actually, I worked with her as a babysitter slash au pair slash, you know, whatever she needed me to do part time. And through that, I met Stu and Stu brought me in to do office management for relevance part-time in December of 2009. And at the time, I had no idea at all about, you know, software development, the the industry. Um, all I knew is that I was kind of a dork. I liked gaming. And suddenly, you know, I was doing office management for this group of people who were totally geeky. And, you know, I loved it. It was a great culture fit. And I was literally getting lunch for everybody and cleaning the office and um, getting, you know, uh, uh, phoning Time Warner and yelling at them about our internet. And all the time in the background, I'm reading up on law books and I'm applying to law school. And in um, January, late January, Stu, you know, told me, okay, we part-time isn't cutting it. We need you full-time. So he actually headhunted me from Joey. And it's been a point of contention ever since. Uh, whenever the three of us talk about things, she always points out the fact that she she headhunted me or he headhunted me from her. I know I know Joey and uh, I, have a, I have a feeling that uh, Stu has paid for it. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I'm, you know, hopefully, hopefully that whatever he had to pay was worth it over the years. Um, but we... Um, yeah, so so there I found myself in I think what February, and I was you know now full time office management, and I was also beginning to help out with staffing and operations kind of stuff. Um, 
and you know a, another month passed and and then i was doing you know almost you know 80% of my time was on operations assistance and starting to help justin with some you know some very early um you know sales stuff like literally just sort of as a as a personal assistant to him and then you know i think 6 months later we i went through recruiting effort i brought in an office manager they offered me a full-time position at relevance a salaried position and then i was exclusively doing you know sales assistance work one-on-one -on -one with justin uh trying to help them you know get the sales pipeline to a situation where it was a little bit more structured and uh you know it, it, he didn't have to walk around with all of the context on on every new you know potential partner he was talking to crammed in his head while he was also trying to do all the CEO stuff. And at the same time, in the background, I'd made it into Emory uh, Law School, and um, and been accepted there. Um, and then it was very interesting. You know how sometimes American Airlines will overbook a flight because. They <laughs> Expect a certain number of people to uh, to to not show up. Right. Well, so keep in mind this is like now it's mid 2010, um, kind of like in the sways of the you know of the recession, and you can go back and you can look at law school acceptance rates. And that particular year, it wasn't just Emory. A lot of law schools over accepted and suddenly had this you know this unprecedented rush in, in numbers of people applying and going to law school. And so they offered me to increase my scholarship if I deferred for a year. And, you know, I was working with a company that I loved. I just had a chance to, um, you know, to uh, shift over to doing something that's more strategic, that's more, you know, in line with helping the business prosper. And I said, yeah, sure, I'm going to do it. Um, so I Kept working, kept working. January 2011, I'm I've essentially at this point taken over, you know, most of the sales stuff from Justin's hands, and I make a final call that I'm going to stick with Relevance. I'm going to make this company and this this team and this industry my career. Um, and I uh, I finally declined uh, law school for Emory and and um, became the business development lead here. So the, so uh, is uh, is law school like still in the future? Maybe someday planned? Is that something that you might go back to? Does it still kind of call to you? Or so it's interesting. I think that I would really enjoy it. Um, I mean, yeah, it can still be in the plan potentially. I think having a JD um, certainly wouldn't hurt. Uh, I do a lot of contract negotiation and um, and legal review now as just a natural part of of you know, working out development contracts with different partners. But I don't know. The thing about software that's different than law is I still get to, uh, you know, help out and, and essentially serve a, a, a client that I really believe in. In this case, you know, the way I think about it, relevance and and the team and and every all all of you guys are people that I'm working really really hard to make sure you can do what you love to do, um, and maybe I can I can shield you from some of the <laughs> some of the less uh, less nice things about signing deals and working out uh, conflicts. But at the end of the day, I'm helping us create 
something good in the world. Whereas if I went to law, even though, you know, it's something that called me and I think I would enjoy it, the best you can do, the, the, best, the best you can do is protect something good from, you know, nastiness. Playing, playing defense instead of offense. Exactly. That's interesting. Um, well, I certainly hope that uh, you stick around because, uh, you know, I mean, the nature of, of sales in a small company uh, is that, you know, things go up and things go down and the, the sales pipeline is full sometimes and less full others. And, you know, I've been down in Durham and, and seen you walking around with a very serious expression on your face. And, and you know, from my perspective, uh, you know, I've always there's always been interesting stuff to work on. So uh, I know a lot of that's fallen on your shoulders. We certainly appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I sort of, that's a big difference. And, you know, I really felt it last year. Last year, I think for everybody was, was a, uh, was a difficult year. Uh, again, it's just, um, you know, it's different, it's different working in any, any industry in the past two years versus, I don't know, the heyday of the, of the nineties, for example. But, uh, you know, we did, we did pretty well, but it was definitely a struggle. Um, and I felt like as I, took on more responsibility, which I love to do. I also had less time to joke around and like, I don't know, fire Nerf guns at people while they're trying to write code and, uh, and do social, like social game nights, you know, and run D and D campaigns for people. And I'm trying to bring more of that back this year. Oh, I, I, I want to totally talk to you about gaming. You mentioned it a couple of times now. I mean, you, you are, uh, uh, you know, a, a gamer. Um, you've done role-playing games and board games and whatnot. And, uh, you know, you've been uh, one of the principal, I think Chris Redinger has also done this, where you've, you've been big into bringing games to relevance. Uh, is this like something you were always interested in or you, you came here and there were a bunch of nerds and therefore you did it? Or how did that work out for you? I was, it's definitely something that I've, I've been interested in since probably, I want to say sixth or seventh grade when I play, I did, I did, you know, two things in quick succession. Number one is I am, um, I finished the, the, the old Animorphs uh, book series. I don't know if anybody is going to, is going to know this, but is this really dorky kind of sci-fi young adult thing. Um, I read A Wizard of Earthsea. By Ursula Le Guin, which is a wonderful book, and and today you know it's one of those books I go back and I reread multiple times. I think I've read it like 27 times, and I played Final Fantasy VII, and those three things really decided for me. Okay, I'm gonna not be a sporty jock guy. I am gonna be a nerdy, geeky gamer guy, and it's just sort of like that. That was sort of like the moment. And then, you know, I think in high school, I picked up Magic the Gathering. And in college, I started getting into, you know, Dungeons and Dragons with my group of friends. And uh, it, it, yeah, it's definitely been a passion of mine ever since. So it's, you know, if I'm not, if I'm not hiking, if I'm not running, um, you know, if I'm not out having dinner with folks, it's odds on I'm, I'm either playing a video game or organizing a, uh, a board game night. So what are some of your favorite games right now? <sighs> Man, I, uh, I'm really, really loving Power Grid. Um, I don't know if you've ever played this game. It's it's a uh, it's a Rio Grande game. Um, you know, one of one of the recent German exports that's been sort of ported, <coughs> pardon me, ported to the U.S. And um, what I love about it is it's a strategy game, but it's so accessible for people who are not necessarily 
self-described fantasy or or board game people. Um, I love it because I you know I, I I can play it with my mom and dad um, over holiday, and you know they they really they really get into it and, and start nerding out about the microeconomy of resources and the and the you know the strategy of bidding on different factories. Um, I also really I've been recently I've been playing a lot of um, <coughs> pardon me a lot of Castle Ravenloft, which is a D and D board game, which is really really uh, based off of Fourth uh, Edition D and D. I like it because you can just sit down and and play. You don't have to have a DM <coughs> part uh, essentially spend eight hours prepping a prepping a dungeon so i i know you like games of all types i i've i seem to recall that you are you you at one point won a blackjack tournament on a cruise ship is that right am i remembering that right yeah i uh, i i am norway's premier blackjack player <laughs> you heard it here first folks um let's is the Norwegian sun in like 2000, 2008. It's like my one claim to fame. Like, have you ever read Snow Crash? Sure. So I love the business card of, of hero protagonist and Snow Crash. And I've always been looking for, like, what are technically true things that I could put on my business card that sound way more badass than they end up being? And Norway's premier blackjack is players is, is definitely one of those things. I will get those printed up for you. Um, so, uh, so I, I actually, it occurs to me that, that you have a pretty unique perspective on something that I think a lot of our listeners would care about. Um, and that's what the, what the business landscape for closure looks like as a guy selling services out of, um, you know, and I'll, I'll go ahead and say it, one of the world's premier closure consultancies, like what's the. How's it been? Like, are people getting really excited? If he, I mean, it feels to me like I go to the conferences, and it feels to me like, like we're on a rocket ship. Like, it's really. I mean, you know, it's, it's a small market. It's not Java. It's, it's a relatively small market. But every year, it just it seems like it's getting bigger and bigger, and there's more and more excitement, and more and more people doing doing stuff for real with the technology. What's, you know, as a guy that's kind of out there talking to business people, what's your perspective? So. I think that this past year has been kind of a watershed year um, as a business attempting to make consulting or, or product development enclosure, um, you know, greater than 50% of its, of, of its revenue. Because even though there was excitement all the way back to the original closure conjun in 2011, I feel like we're getting to the point now where, <coughs> I'm sorry, my throat's getting a little dry. Um, I feel like we're getting to the point now where uh, it's it's tipping a little bit. It's not just early adopters in the development community. Um, it's also uh, uh, you know people who are CTOs or uh, you know VP of product designs. You know folks who who sit in these you know relatively large organizations and and actually have buying power um, and have have now seen this technology um, uh, prove itself a little bit um, you know there are now plenty of examples of uh, you know startups using closure as 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 their you know their their core tech stack um, 
you know, you talk to people like I've had had the pleasure of talking to and meeting Paul DeGrandis, for example, and I know that he's done, you know, a couple different startups, and some of them have have used Closure, and and those stories are getting a lot more common. So whereas in 2011, um, you know, people would come to you and say, okay, I've got this problem, uh, you know, I need a fairly, um, you know, heavy backend multi-system integration, you know, heavy data management, data analysis and analytics, um, you would say, great, well, we can solve those problems. Let me talk to you about this particular tech stack. Now people actually come to Relevance and say, hey, you guys do closure, right? You're the closure guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested because I know I've heard that it's a good solution for these problems. Um, and it, you know, I, it, it means to me that the the time to really start um, thinking about how to message and how to market and, and, and how to go find non-technical evangelists for this technology, it, I think it's time to start doing that this year in, in particular. Hmm, interesting. That we stop, not that we stop putting our time and effort into making closure even more powerful for individual developers, and and we should you know we should never stop that, never shut off the community because it's been you know the thing that's let it's let us get this far. Um, you know, early adopters are are fantastic; they're absolutely critical, and and that's definitely a cornerstone of our continuing strategy. It's just now we recognize that. Um, it, it, you know, it, it's, it's time to take the message to a slightly different audience. So I heard you talk a little bit about, you know, kind of looking forward. I mean, you, you said that your kind of Ballywick at relevance is business development. What, and I know, obviously, we can't talk about everything here on the podcast, but, but you know, generally looking forward here to 2013, uh, how, do you, how do you see, what, what are your, some of the goals of business development that we have? Yeah, I I would say that, speaking very generally, um, you can be the best uh, consultancy in the world with the absolute you know best people, and if you're still doing time and materials consulting, you're always ever going to have your revenue uh, capped at the amount of hours that your folks can put in in a week. Um, that's you know that's just that's just the nature of the beast. Uh, what we've been trying to do is think about more creative ways to augment um, our services in our consulting business um, with some uh, ongoing or recurring uh, products or services or licenses or support um, that could do two things. Uh, you know, frankly and honestly, help us. Uh, even out our in our revenue stream coming in and help you know help us balance out and, and trying to avoid some of the wanes and the waxes as you alluded to that are kind of you know the nature of the beast in consulting and two create the kind of environment where you know a technology a new technology can be accepted and 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 wholly committed to uh, in enterprises and, and in, and in you know, very, very large organizations. Because that, I think, 
um, that will enable people and uh, not just, you know, uh, contribs, not just people who are super active, you know, in, in the, uh, in the closure mailing lists, but, you know, people who work at some of these organizations who are really interested in closure, but are hitting a wall when it comes to getting their, you know, their boss and their boss's boss on board with the technology. Um, it will allow those people to actually be able to use this in their daily lives. And I think that's really cool. Oh, it's definitely cool. I mean, you, I certainly, you know, go to user groups, go to conferences. Hey, so what are you doing with Clojure? Oh, I love Clojure. I use it for everything that I do for myself, but I can't, emphasis on can't, use it at work. And so what I'm hearing you saying is is that we're thinking of ways of, of you know, <laughs> making it so people don't have to say that. <laughs> Correct. Yes. No. And, and And honestly, you know, doing it in a way that provides us the breathing room to really double down on our internal time, total time spent doing open source uh, responses and contributions, uh, you know, responding to pull requests uh, and, you know, pushing, uh, pushing changes out to, um, you know, the, the next, the next version. Uh, because when you're when you're doing that on twenty percent time, it's awesome because you've made a commitment. Um, but if you can get to a situation where at least part of your team can do that all the time, think about how much more uh, can be accomplished. Yeah, that's sort of an everyone wins scenario. Absolutely, that's what I'm talking about. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that uh, there will be an episode or two in in twenty thirteen about. Um, some of the things that we come up with in this, in this area. Um, and I, <laughs> I know we're starting to try your throat out, so um, maybe start to wind it down. But before, before we, uh, before we you know, start to wrap up, I, I, I got to make sure that I uh, ask you, what else should we talk about here, man? What have I, what have I failed to, to ask you about here? That's a great question. Um, Man, what have we been? We talked about gaming. We talked about what's on the you know on the horizon for 2013. Um, you know, I think it'd be interesting to. Well, I you know I'd actually, Craig, I'd like to hear a little bit you know from you. What we we don't really ever have a chance to talk about this. You know, what do you see uh, happening from the you know from the strategic and the business development perspective at Relevance? Um, and uh, you know maybe maybe I maybe I can respond to some questions you have, or, or we could talk about that. Yeah. So the, there's been a there's been an interesting shift, and I think we mentioned this briefly on the Justin episode that just went out, uh, episode 23, if I remember right, um, where we've started to take a slightly different approach to Fridays, where we're starting to do a little bit more. Um, let's get everyone in a virtual room on Friday morning and say, okay, what can we do? as a group rather than what can we do, what are we doing individually? I mean, you know, cause I think there's a lot of times where people have agendas for projects they want to pursue on a Friday and that's cool. Um, and that's still, you know, part of the 20% ethos, but there are also things that we've seen that we've done collectively. For example, closure script was where we said, okay, let's get, I don't forget how many people, maybe uh, I want to say about six people together and, you know, Rich has a vision and let's go achieve that um, together. And I, and I think that that has the potential to be a huge deal um, 
especially as as you say, we start thinking about some of the things that we can do to be more efficient in how we benefit um, the community. So I, I've been I'm pretty excited about about our the potential for our output um, from the perspective of the community while still preserving the ideals of um, you know the twenty percent time, which is basically to get better in ways that you can't necessarily do when you know you have to um, solve a customer's problem. So I think that's that that's really interesting to me to see to see how how much better we can get, how much more efficient we can get at at producing the sorts of cool things that we're already making. Yeah, I mean it's 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 interesting you 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 bring up the efficiency and also the what can we do when we're not um, bounded by you know solving a customer's problem because I think what what the Fridays are about is taking the really good tight collaborative process that we bring to bear on client projects Monday through Monday through Thursday and you know enabling that to be to be done on Fridays um, and it, you know it's not that it it's not that you're held back you know, when you're solving, you know, a client's uh, problem. I mean, that's why you're, that's why they're paying you ultimately, right? That's, that's the goal. But it's definitely the case where there are trade-offs and there are um, cost-benefit analysis that you have to do on a client project um, that mean you can't take eight hours and, 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 you know, go explore something new. Um, that's, that's bleeding edge, right? Like there, there may be, there may be new libraries, um, or new tools, which, you know, you think are fantastic, even if they're nascent and they have the, they have the power to be great. But, um, your client may say, that's great. I have five guys who are good developers internally and they use this language and that's not compatible. So my solution has to fit under this this constraint of my ability to maintain this long term. So yeah. there are more constraints that you have to be respectful of on on client work potentially. Yeah, absolutely. I mean a classic example that springs to my mind is Datomic. I mean, uh, you know, we suggest Datomic where it's appropriate, but Look, you know, some customers are already they already have a database and they're not interested in standing up another one or they're not ready to or whatever. Um, and we may have great ideas that we want to explore that are built on some of the things that Datomic enables. We're not going to do that on client time because that just doesn't make any sense for anybody. Right. But at the same time, if you want to go do those, there's a difference between, you know, five people having the freedom to go do this in a very, you know, a very free very kind of do your own thing mentality versus, hey guys, let's let's you know let's load this into a process. Let's say how many of you guys are thinking about exploring this area? Oh, five of you, great. Let's you know let's work together. Let's create time to BA and set some goals. Let's have somebody play stakeholder. I think ultimately you get a lot more out of five people's energy than 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 you necessarily would if you just have a um, you know, a, a less cohesive process in place. Yep. Totally. Well, um, I, this has been a really cool conversation, uh, Alex, and, um, I am only bummed that it has taken us over a year to, to get to having it. So, uh, 
Well, I, Craig, thanks very much. I mean, I, I kind of thought that you were going to be disappointed that we weren't spending, you know, 100% of the time uh, making jokes and, and talking about dumb things we've done while having drinks. I did not mention uh, your fascination with a certain tennis star. I did not mention drop bears, but we can come back to those the next time we have you on. Right. Well, you know, she's just she's just achieved her career grand slam last year. Um, so, you know, she my my admiration for her has only improved. All right. Oh, we're, I'm going to stop you there because I, uh, I know where this conversation might go. But uh, but there is one more question that I would love to ask you, um, which is what music should we be playing on the way out here, Alex? Oh, whoa. There's intro and exit music? Yeah, you get to pick two. Oh, man. Okay. I, it's BG staying alive. And on the tail end, I, you know, I guess I got to think about, has anybody done um, Ziggy Stardust by Bowie? Nope. Oh, let's do it. All right, that's coming up in the background right now. Well, Alex, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you are one of the busiest people in the company, so I super appreciate you taking the time out. And uh, it's really interesting, and, and I'm, I am looking forward to having you back, especially because um, I know there are a lot of uh, really cool things afoot um, you know, that we can't talk about just yet. And uh, I think when they do come to light and, and uh, it's time to, to tell the world a bit about them, I'd love to have... Uh, to have you and others back on to discuss them and also to talk about uh, all the other things you've been up to in the meantime. So I hope you'll come back and talk to us again sometime soon. Oh, absolutely. Great. Well, I'll thank you again for your time and for coming on, and uh, and uh, it's been it's been really great having you. Thanks, Craig. Okay. And we'll thank the listeners, of course. We will catch everyone next time on Think Relevance, the podcast. Screwed up eyes and screwed down hairdo Like some cat from Japan he could lick them by smiling He could leave them to hang Became on so loaded man Well hung snow white tan Thank mm-hmm. you.